Hi, this is the Healthcare Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Brewer. Today I have as my guest, Michael Sue, MD, who is also a longtime friend of mine and former mentor in the sport of Ultimate Frisbee. As some of my listeners know, that uh, it's a common thread. A lot of my guests have come from that world. Um, Mike is a classically trained um, medical doctor and a graduate of Wake Forest School of Medicine. So he's kind of a homecoming of sorts here at the, the medical center. And he has now gone on to this journey as a energy healer. And we're going to go into a lot of that um, today, I hope. And I think um, our conversation today is timely in, in lieu of global events and um, may give people a chance to think about uh, some of the own work they're doing for their own health and wellness. So welcome, Mike. Thank you, Andy. It's wonderful to be here. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm glad to be on your program. Well, you sent me a it looked like a, an a early transcript, um, Physician Heal Thyself, The Journey to Healing Body, Mind and Spirit. And um, it kind of starts out with the uh, notion that um, the, the, the current system, that, or traditional Western medicine, I guess, um, or conventional Western medicine, however we say that, um, the whole system is geared to looking for pathological signs and explaining the disease process, if found. Um, and health is defined by the lack of finding pathology. So it kind of... Uh, skirts the whole life force and energy force of, of Eastern uh, uh, medicine and, and the approaches to healing and wellness and that kind of thing. So let's get let's start with your journey from being a traditionally trained medical doctor in that part and how you came to 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 go deep yeah. in this. Uh, well, yes, personally, actually, I came from a, a household that's uh, partly Eastern, partly Western. My father is from China, and my great-grandfather was an acupuncturist in the mainland. Uh, but my father, L.Y. Su, uh, who attended Bowman Gray Medical School also, is also trained in Western medicine, and he's a neurosurgeon, retired now. And my mother's a neurologist, also uh, attended this medical school. In fact, they were married at Davis Chapel. Wow, so yeah. you're steeped in, yes. in, in Wake Forest. That's right. And so uh, on a personal level, I feel, uh, you know, that the Eastern and Western systems can be complementary, but they have seemingly divided. I think that the, at the um, beginning of Western medicine, actually, I think it was a spiritual tradition. If you go back to Aesculapius and so forth, that they, they had a uh, spiritual view in ancient Greece in a kind of a period of enlightenment. Uh, and then with the incredible advent of science and the method and the strength and the power of science, we've come to rely a little bit more on the science part, but we've sort of pushed the spiritual view aside as if religion and science can't be, you know, in the same room, which to some extent is, you know, has a, has a value uh, of separating them. Uh, but I think that because of that materialist view that uh, uh, has come with it, that we've sort of lost the spiritual side and we're not trained in medical school to think of uh, us as spiritual beings in any any kind of way. It's more like when you're dead, you're dead, and then consciousness was produced by the impulses that were uh, connecting from nerve cell to nerve cell. So I think due to that, there has been uh, you know a trend and a trajectory of the way our medical system has gone, and that now uh, we've sort of seen that maybe there are some limitations to that in some situations. It's very, very advanced, obviously, in the kind of materialistic and interventional way and the things that we can do to uh, change care and to heal people and to keep people alive. Um, but I think in terms of the Western, the Eastern system, there's a little bit more strength and continuity of that spiritual tradition that uh, 
that there is uh, you know a kind of a holistic view of what life is for and where life comes from that has to be kind of uh, uh, taken into account and even uh, you know the nature of you know what our being a human is is more considered a little bit more deeply in those traditions so I think we can learn from both and uh, I've tried to learn from both so I went to medical school here and graduated in 1987 and I did neurology residency and uh, uh, fellowship, and I also did a sleep medicine uh, um, board pr uh, process. And so I practiced 22 years in neurology and sleep medicine. But then I found, I think, in some conditions that people were suffering, and it's due to stress and lifestyle and other issues that were causing them pain. So you could give them migraine medications, even you know powerful painkillers, but then they, you know, it can just evolve into a pattern where they have a dysfunctional life because they're not dealing with the root causes of the stress. So that led me into uh, meditation retreats and training in acupuncture and learning about other kind of more Eastern-based systems, as well as studying Taoism and personal cultivations like Qigong, which I still practice. And, uh, and learning about these uh, systems that have been around for thousands of years, which are now kind of being rediscovered in this sort of new age, with a so-called new age of discovery, and also with you know the advent of integrative medicine and other kind of things, it's starting to, uh, I think people's minds are starting to open to it more. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you, you mentioned here in your transcript too that uh, you know Western medicine or, or you know finding that what's causing the acute. Uh, complaint um you know we we've got so far advanced with that but so we'll solve that problem we put the band-aid on that but the source energy has not been dealt with so um i you know being in the technology field i i use the term uh or the the acronym gigo gigo is garbage in garbage out so you know that goes into nutrition you know if we put bad things in our body we can't expect to get great things back out of it but also um energy and intention so if, if we don't put the energy towards into ourselves and, and and ask ourselves every day you know what do we want out of this today what do we, you know we change our patterns of thinking if we stuck if we stay stuck in negativity and trauma and in 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 all the the stressors of the material world um, that we catch ourselves in, and, and I use that term glorifying busy as well, and we occupy our mind on these things so we don't think deeply about our intention and things like that, that we can't expect to get a great result back out. We're going to create that dis-ease from that negative thinking. And I just think that there is such a... Uh, need for the Eastern philosophy and Eastern way of thinking in our just collective selves in our society. Um, would you like to respond to that? Uh, no question, really. But <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot in there. Uh, yeah, there's a couple threads in there. I think that the uh, Eastern system you don't have to make the jump that we're now trying to make with this information that's coming in to seeing how the uh, spirit and the emotions and the mind are connected. And so that we can, if we can make that jump to see how it's all interconnected, then we can use even the stress and the disease in our life as feedback loops for us. So when you're having an issue that you're repeatedly coming on that you're stuck on, yeah, that's definitely a place that you should put a little attention into. Uh, and, and it can... 
it can give us some insights about ourselves if we know how to reflect on that. In the same way with energy medicine, these systems are set up in such a way that you can use the energy of that condition to help you to understand it and even sometimes use the energy itself as part of the cure you know, like an allopathic type medicine, something like that. But uh, even on the level of uh, just consciously being aware, when you can sort of uh, uh, use your, your consciousness, you have a great inner healer. And so when I think in, in Eastern medicine, it emphasizes more that you have this very powerful inner healer. The old paradigm here in the West is you go to the doctor and they'll give you a pill and they'll give you surgery if you need it. And they'll tell you, of course, to exercise more. And then you're happy because the doctor said you're okay and you can come back another year and talk to him again. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that the, the responsibility on this energy medicine model, to be honest, is going to be more on the patient. But that's a good thing because it's empowering to the people. Um, I mentioned in here about the placebo effect, that in the past you would read a study, you know, and the placebo effect was like something you had to show you're better than so the drug companies can make, you know, their new medicine and convince people that it's, you know, it's a good thing. And the, the placebo effect is kind of this annoying thing that gets in the way. But uh, when, we, when we really look deeper at that, like it's, it's shown across almost all studies for all kinds of things from, you know, cancer to surgical outcomes to everything, that if you give the patient a placebo that they, and they believe in it, then they're going to line up and they're going to heal themselves to a large extent, to a very demonstrable, scientifically demonstrated effect. So I think in the energy medicine field, we look at uh, not only the foods we're putting in on the physical level, but at a more subtle level, how we're exercising, how we're handling our, our biorhythms and how we're sleeping, and on a more subtle level, how we're dealing with our emotions and our thoughts, you know, and even more subtle, yeah, like what, you know, do you have a sense of purpose? And it's been shown even in some studies that having a belief and that life has a purpose and there's a positive purpose does help your health. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I feel that that's a little, bit more, a little bit more implicit in the Eastern systems, but I think as a, as a population, I think the more the population can start to understand these things and to experience them for themselves, the more we'll move forward uh, being able to take care of each other in, the, in this way. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I mean, the placebo effect is like, I think just kind of on average, like 20% effective, like when you do these double-blind controlled studies. Um, Way more than random, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's powerful. definitely something to that. I mean, where they say uh, uh, more, more uh, wave than particle kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, more energy than matter. Um, so I love that. I mean, I love that people are really getting deep in this and sharing that story and, and getting people to wake up. I mean, I think a lot of us wait till there's some sort of trauma or event in our lives before we decide that there's something we need to change about ourselves. And I hear this from people who work at the cancer center all the time when people will say, well, God, you know, this cancer diagnosis was horrible, but you know, after I sat with it for a little while, it became like, the most important teacher, you know, I finally realized what's important in life. And so hopefully not everyone has to wait for a cancer diagnosis to get that, but there's something to like, um, having an event in our lives that makes us really pay attention, um, deep down. That's an excellent example that is especially like the cancer diagnosis, which is one of the diseases of our time. And if people can look at it as, positive or meant to be or a way to uh, bring things to their attention, then it, it can be a very rich thing. I think it's a big, big challenge, of course. Um, uh, but I think in general, yes, if, if we can 
some people do feel like the diseases don't hand, happen randomly, right? They happen in certain people for certain reasons. That could be lifestyle or other things. But if it does happen, it's a very strong signal. So we want to try to, you know, catch it before. And I think with some of these practices, they can be more preventative. If you can learn about your own energy system and you can get healing from, you know, I'm, I'm more like uh, practicing a, a fairly much a, a energy medicine model. Like I used to do acupuncture, but now I do more like Reiki and medical Qigong, which is more just biofield energy therapy itself. Uh, and that can bring things to the surface, but it can also help the person get awareness of that to, to be aware of these things. And hopefully the, we can be very preventative with that. So if you can do your homework now and do your regular scheduled maintenance, you can maybe prevent these problems later. But if you are in that situation where you come to a crisis diagnosis like that, hopefully these principles can still assist you on your journey, whether that's through conventional medicine with the uh, added you know, benefit of this, uh, uh, these modalities and this kind of model mm-hmm. of what the disease state is and what, the, what can be learn from it and how healing can take place yeah i think the conventional wisdom too is in our you know with the patient doctor model is that um the uh you know we we rely we want to go to the the professional and say you know what's wrong with us give us a pill thank you very much see you in a year um and, and what what you've described is that the responsibility of healing lies as much or even more with the patient as does with the healer, and that um, there's got to be a certain level of belief and trust in the energy. And I think it's it's a hard sell when people aren't familiar with that and people haven't gone through some life-changing moment. Mm-hmm. They just want to be fixed and want to be sent home with a prescription that's going to fix them. So... Um, I'm trying to figure out what my question is, but uh, I just think that you know, how do we how do we get this message out to to more people? Like you know, to to take control of their own health and well being and healing. Well, I think it's a good time to do this right now. I think the conditions are there. There's been a lot of already input from other traditions in the society. And so even in you know, the media and the music and in yoga classes, these things have crept in and they have overlapping principles. So I think the fact that now um, America's gone through some changes, we've had some growing up to do, we've, we've gone through other crises besides uh, illnesses. We went through 911 and we had to look at the world and ourselves differently. And I think a lot of people have found that doing yoga and doing the physical exercise consciously with the breathing and the relaxation helps them to de-stress. And also that could be a doorway into going just one step further to becoming more conscious of your emotions and your patterns enough so that you can change your patterns and habits. Mm -hmm. One of the obstacles that we really face is the habit energy is very entrenched. So you get into a, 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 a situation or a job and a kind of a series of patterns that you do and whether that's you know about uh, addictive substances or just about uh, toxic relationships and in ways of dealing with things on different levels, and it takes work to change that sometimes. Uh, sometimes it comes easily, but sometimes you have to chip away at that rock for a while. Mm-hmm. So I think my message would be to people who are thinking about this is you can start slow and you can start with little things, you know, and you can start to notice that when you meet different people, that you can sense energy, you know, intuitively. You already do that. You just kind of you don't really appreciate the fact that you're uh, already born with this intuitive uh, ability to see when you're feeling well and when you're not, Mm -hmm. and that your body is giving you signals all the time. So I think when we start to tune into things, and then we have to notice some of our more gross habits, let's say if we have an issue with um, relationships or anger or whatever it is, you don't necessarily have to take on the whole beast right away. You know, you start with the things that maybe get you a little bit 
pet peeves or a little bit and start to look into how you feel about those and you can tune into your own system you know through those energies and, and, it, and it can be surprising where that can start to lead it can start to change the road you're on a little bit you know mm-hmm. instead of going down the middle of the road hitting the pothole every time first you kind of steer around the pothole mm-hmm. and then when you get a little bit you know stronger and bigger then you can go down a different street altogether right, right. you know like all the cells in your body change over in seven years so even in the, from a health point of view if you say well I like sweet tea I'm in the south you know here we're at Bojangles <laughs> well maybe go to half and half you know for three or four years and then your body will change and then you can you know you can move over to something more healthy too so you can apply it at different levels of of the health paradigm uh, for how to integrate your own empowerment and your own consciousness into what's going on with your body and mind and emotions and, and take a little bit more control over it. Yeah, I mean, you you made me think of the whole, you know, back to a tech term is, you know, we, we run the same program sometimes over and over mm-hmm. and we get stuck in these infinite loops that we seemingly are hard to uh, do a hard restart, you know, and, <laughs> and uh you know, I recently got turned on to us, uh, Joe Dispenza, I think it's named. Uh, anyway, he, he talks about how you can reprogram your mind and, and load new OS, basically, and, and run new programs to, that, that get you out of those old habits and get you into new modes of thinking and being intentional and putting out the energy and becoming less of self and more selfless, you know, uh, to, to, to tune into that energy. I mean, you know, you even go into the big bang theory. I mean, it's like, we all come from that source energy. I got turned on to Abraham Hicks work, uh, recently too. And that's just, you know, the message, if you distilled it down was we all come from source energy and in order to, uh, benefit from it, you tap into it and there's no way to tap into it unless you just decide to do it. And I think that that's, that's that intentionality that, that everyone has the power to do. And that's what's so exciting. And just being around the medical center for, I've been here 14 years now, um, and I've, you know, one of my roles is to capture grand round lectures. So I've been exposed to quite a lot of different things. And it seems like the most excitement comes from these practitioners that are doing alternative therapies and you know integrative complementary whatever the terms are but the people who talk about meditation instead of prescribing opioids and and yoga and acupuncture and osteopathic manipulation and now you asked me if we were doing reiki here and um um, what I did find, you know, they, they do mention it, um, but they call it therapeutic touch. So it's laying of the hands or, you know, correct and balancing energy fields and, and stuff like that. So I think, you know, we're, we're you know, at Northwest AHEC, we've, we've had um, several programs uh, where we focus on alternative therapies. And a lot of it's geared towards healthcare providers to control the stress in their lives to pre- prevent burnout and stuff like that. Some self-help. Yeah, so self-help to begin with, which is good because the more practitioners we get that tuning into that for themselves, then that'll propagate to their patients, I think, too. And we're also, you know, doing culinary medicine, you know, food. Who knew food was medicine, you know? Shocker. You know, um, so, so there's a lot of... I, th- I see it. I've seen it evolve over the years too. As I've gone to these, so we've gone from, you know, traditional uh, pharmaceutical approaches to tuning into these energy sources, mm-hmm. and also um, 
with with some of the research for PTSD and the HREEM. Is it HEREM? You know about this where they, you know, it's tonality things, and they, you know, it, you know, with the brain imaging, they show how it's just resetting. Uh, that sounds like neurodharma feedback, or you know, some sort of biofeedback that's more sophisticated to assist the uh, yeah. process of getting the mind into a state that's conducive uh, to the therapy. Uh, yeah, I think there's so many tools available, and it is an extremely exciting time. And what you described about. Uh, a place like this where you can introduce these ideas, it's, it's a, a very important part of the whole process of, of integrating you know, the, uh, these, these kind of systems together in a positive way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's very exciting. I think that uh, a center like Moman Gray here can you know, be at the forefront of that kind of activity, and I hope it will be. Um, so yeah, as far as what you were saying about the programming, I think you know, it's a very apt kind of uh, analogy. And there was a, a very famous uh, yogi named Satchidananda, who started Yogaville, and he was at Woodstock. And so people asked him, are you a Hindu, you know, to know what he is? And he says, well, I'm more of an undo. So I think the deprogramming aspect is just as important, or maybe primary, and then the reprogramming, you know, is also part of it, which is, you know, implied in what you were saying. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we can, uh, uh, we carry baggage of different types with us. So when you're on a journey of uh, trying to be more happy and whole and to understand why life is dissatisfying, sometimes you have to kind of learn to get the tools so you can go into that level and do that kind of work and reprogramming, whether it's, you know, on your solo meditation retreats or whether it's uh, with a therapist or whether it's, uh, you know, with one of these other modalities, uh, you know, including biofield therapies like Reiki and Healing Touch, mm -hmm. or, you know, just, you know, through conventional medicine. So um, I think that's very important. And in terms of you mentioned those therapies where there is some kind of biofield aspect and laying out of hands and how that doctors can use that to help themselves to feel more better. And so when they're doing their work, the, it, the, the, one of the um, principles could be you could consider this, that if you prescribe a medicine to someone and your intention is for their well-being and you're in a good vibration, it's going to have a better effect than if you just say, oh, here, take this, you know, uh, pay on the way out. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes a difference. Um, and some people may be skeptical of that, but I'm not. I've, I've seen, you know, how stressful the giving medicine it has become. So that's another part of the revolution has to be that the doctors can't be fighting against insurance companies all the time and having this divided kind of... Mm -hmm. you know, system that, that's, you know, that, that affects things. So I think that you can use these therapies to help yourself feel better so you can do your job, but then it can also be extended to uh, some specialists in those areas can use that kind of as a hands-on type therapy to help the healing process with certain people. And then likewise, certain patients can take that and do that as part of their self-help if they're able to assimilate some of that as well. So mm -hmm. some systems have a little bit more self-help built into them. With acupuncture, you kind of have to go back to the acupuncturist, right? Because it's hard to reach all those points. But with some of the energy models, you can take home some meditation and get in touch with those healing energies. Mm -hmm. And that can be part of your homework so that when you come back to the doctor, you're more prepared to take that next step. Yeah, especially like breath work and things like that that are that are really and, and being quiet. I mean, I, my cousin went to a week long silent retreat. He said it was the hardest thing ever, you know, just to not be able to talk. And, and then you know, by about the third day, you start to get into this this place where you go deep within yourself and 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 really really uh, uh, take a deep just 
deep dive into exploring your ego and your your thoughts of who you are and and um, I think that's built into a lot of these other practices like yoga and and even martial arts and stuff where you know it's like leave your ego at the door and come mm-hmm. in with no judgment um, and, and, and like a blank slate ready to learn and be taught right and I think again that's another strength of sort of uh Eastern culture is that there are leaders that have done this in such depth and detail that it infuses those movements with some of that consciousness. And uh, I think that the Western systems are, are, are soaking that up, mm-hmm. you know, in, in their way. And I think it's, it's been, you know, positive all around. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the week-long silent retreat or different kind of meditation retreat is highly recommended if you want to sort of understand your own uh, ego and thought process. Um, yeah, it's kind of indispensable if, if you want to be, you know, get the Ph.D. and like, you know, what is the ego and where am I? <laughs> right, right. So let me step back a little bit. You know, in your 20 odd years of practice, um, you know, how, how acceptance did you find, um, you know, Eastern approaches into conventional medicine? And did you have challenges like resistance to it? And, and, and how have you made inroads in, in, in your practice? Uh, yes, I, I think so. But I think that, you know, there's been a good situation for me. I think being in the research triangle area in Durham, there's a lot more open-mindedness there. You know, if, if you if you don't try to, you know, make it sound, you know, too crazy or just if you, if you explain it, you know, rationally, but, but you have a relationship with your patient to have some trust and they're willing to explore it, I found. Now, other parts of the country may be a little bit less open-minded, you know, so I think the time and the place does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I practiced in Greensboro briefly, which was uh, in a locum tenens situation, and, and, it, and it was maybe the best fit for me anyway. But I found that the mindset of the average person was much more tied into the system there you know, not having as much, you know, socioeconomic chances or educational density, you know, as we do in the triangle. Mm-hmm. And so there was a whole, di- you know, 60 miles, but a whole different way that I would offend some people very much. If I <laughs> said that, you know, the stress that in your life is contributing to your illness. Yeah. You know, then they, they think that I was telling them that they were causing their own illness and, and yeah. uh, you know, it upset people. Yeah. The truth hurts sometimes. Sometimes it does, you know, and, um, and, and that wasn't, and, and so I learned that that maybe wasn't the right time and place for me to take that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also in other ways, uh, yeah, it is hard for people sometimes to, to embrace the fact that maybe, you know, some of the energies and some of the things that they have in some way been participating as part of their life, you know, mm-hmm. has contributed to their illness. And so, so I think that, uh, you know, that's one thing. And then in terms of the uh, greater, you know, physician realm, you know, physicians are somewhat conservative in thinking in a way because they have a system that works and, and there's no reason to challenge it, it seems, you know, at a lot of times. But now we've seen that there, I think more and more physicians are seeing that, yes, Western medicine is great, but it doesn't mean that it helps everyone the same to the same degree. And I think there's a more willingness, especially in the places I've been, you know, to consider other ideas. And I didn't have really a problem working with other physicians in terms of the concepts that I was doing or if I was doing acupuncture or if I was, you know, doing, uh, I wasn't really doing Reiki per se then, but if I was doing Reiki-like things and it helped the patient, I think people, the doctors there are excellent. And mm-hmm. they're, they're concerned about their patients and they're, they're fairly open-minded, yeah. I would say. Well, we, we have challenges, too, because we, we represent 17-county region, northwest North Carolina. And now Forsyth County is in there, very urban, with, with all the um, challenges that that, that mm-hmm. uh, kind of population uh, creates and then you, you like you said 60 miles west of here and then it's completely rural um, very 
uh, homogeneous, you know, phenotypes and socioeconomic uh, issues there. So, so I, you know, I do see uh, uh, a challenge getting this, you know, getting people to accept that because I think, you know, they're just ingrained with go to the doctor, get a pill, and and, and go feel better. Um, uh, you mentioned when we talked yesterday on the phone. You mentioned um, this term "touch the elephant." Can you can you ex- describe what you meant by that? Oh, I guess I was saying, you know, that we're all really working. We we all, you know, from the same source, like you said, and then that the uh, the world we live in, the culture we live in, is sort of co-created, you know, by all of us. And yet, when we're trying to solve these issues and trying to optimize you know, the situation for our culture to be thriving and for people to be happy, uh, we have different ways of doing that. So one person, you know, the, the yoga instructor, you know, may say, well, you know, breathe deeply and om and kind of relax into your being and, you know, look at, you know, what are the patterns in your life that are working and what are not working. And then the other doctor may be saying, well, you need to stop smoking because hmm. that's hurting your health. You know, so it's all the elephant is really a symbol for understanding, you know, what's really happening, you know, in, in terms of uh, uh, what makes you healthy and so forth. So it's a metaphor for that. So, you know, the one person's holding the trunk and in the story, you know, the blind men are coming up to this thing and they say, I feel a, a big round, you know, thing here, you know, that's very solid and won't move. And, you know, and the other one says, well, this, this is very flexible. And, it, you know, there's, you know, it's, uh, it's a, the trunk here is, you know, and it's, it's got hot air coming out of it, you know, and mm-hmm. so they all have give very different descriptions of the elephant. But I think as long as, you know, like you say, with the oneness, we know that it's all really the elephant in terms of, you know, dealing with optimizing health care and health and happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're all coming at it from a different side. Yeah. So it may look different. So I think if we can kind of integrate, that's where the integrative part comes in. If we can make it more integrative and understand that, then we can deal with the person from different walks of life and they can they can be addressed mm-hmm. you know, somehow if the, the system should serve them mm-hmm. you know, also as well as being informed yeah. and uh, using you know, not just you know, one set of principles, but you know, taking that quantum leap to the next level. So I like the energy medicine model to say that we're all kind of expressing vibration. So even you know, Einstein said E equals MC squared, which means even our bodies are really made of energy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you know, completely irrevocably solid. So life is a very dynamic, you know, amazing thing. Uh, so in the energy medicine model, again, uh, the food we have has energy, and when you eat it, you know, depends on your cycles of your rhythms, too. So, you know, we learn that intuitively or just through culture of living, you know, that we eat at certain times and mm-hmm. not other times. But, you know, the evolutionary drive is a little bit off. We've jumped, the, you know, we've jumped the tracks, and so, you know, so we have to kind of reexamine, you know, what's good for the planet and what's good for us. Um, um, but, uh, but in the energy medicine model, it's just understanding these deeper vibrations and the nature of things beyond what they appear to be on the surface, if you can get in touch with that and understand it, it gives you a big advantage in how you want to, say, plan your life or structure your life or make it useful or fruitful because, you know, you have to obviously have health and vitality in order to have, you know, the best possible impact. Yeah, I, I think we get away from that um, in, in, in our culture, especially that the focus is on wealth as in materialistic um, and professional pursuits as far as what we achieve status wise and and the things we own and and yet we have this uh i think it's a just a uh, what's the word i'm looking for just kind of the opposite land because we you know we 
you know, in America and the Western world, the emphasis on self-determination, self-reliance and individuality, as you put here. Um, and yet we're so, so reliant on the system to keep us healthy because we're not doing it ourselves. And I think one of the things that society of having access to everything anytime we want, um, which may be like in flux right now in, in this whole quarantine world we're living in at the moment. Um, but and maybe that's the catalyst we need to look closer at what we you know how self-reliant are we and how much ownership are we going to take of our own health and our own wealth because without health you don't have wealth you can have as much money in in the world as you know you can have bezos money and if you're not healthy it doesn't matter um you know it's not going to make you feel better if you're internally just not taking ownership of, of that journey and i think that one other point i wanted to make was you know whether it's yoga the 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 uh you know the asanas in yoga yoga has you know the whole elephant of yoga is the eight limb path so it's way more than just the postures and a lot of people are brought to it through the postures and then it opens up their world like oh i didn't know there was all this other part of it so like you're saying you might have a um you know, a practitioner that comes in and, and does the traditional stuff, but then says, you know, let's, let's take a little, I, I see that you're having a lot of stress in your life. You know, have you thought about maybe doing some breathing exercises when you wake up in the morning and just introducing some little piece that might open up the path to, to, to the whole elephant. So. Absolutely. And if that practitioner has gone through it himself, it carries it carries more authenticity, mm-hmm. and the patients can often tell the difference either at the conscious level or intuitively mm-hmm. as to who they're drawn to. Um, and I think, yeah, you mentioned about uh, the outer, you know, kind of material view and the, and, and the inner kind of more, we've talked about the inner eastern view. So I think now is a time where we can harmonize that. So you don't have to get out of balance, you know, going, you know, into retreat so much that you're, you know, withdrawing from your, your life and your family, maybe for a period of time. That's why it's called retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to uh, kind of harmonize and balance the inner and the outer approaches and the material and the spiritual uh, as paradigms. And also, I think that makes the jump from just physical, looking at his physical health, where the doctor is saying, okay, yeah, you, you know, you can squat press this and you can do this. You, you can physically do your job and you're not disabled. So that's fine. That's all you need to know. Whereas you're going now from physical health to wellness, which is another, other dimensions, like mm-hmm. in that hierarchy of the triangle, there's, you know, the physical needs, but there's, you know, emotional and maybe even spiritual needs. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, we can also look at, look at ways of uh, including all of that. So I think patients will self-select to some degree because, you know, some are going to be ready for that. Some are going to have gone through some experiences that make them wonder how do they prioritize them thing, their, their, their life and their priorities. So like you said, this uh, pandemic is, I think, making people come back into quarantine and retreat and look at their priorities. You know, mm-hmm. well, you're going to check on your family. Is everyone okay, you know, first of all? And then you're going to think, wow, how, you know, we're going to deal with this. And then how, you know, how did this come to be? And what can we do to make the world a better place even? You know, some yeah. people might think. But yeah, you have to start on the individual level in terms of if you're not sort of healthy, not just in body, but if you're not kind of healthy and balanced in your mind and emotions, it's going to be harder to contribute to a new kind of revolution of, uh, of a human period where people are 
are kind of authentically dealing with the things they need to and prioritizing the things they need to. Because obviously there's a lot of work that uh, needs to be done, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it can be it can be good works, you know, it can be joyous works. And I do see a bright future, you know, hopefully, you know, with this. And my particular area is more emphasizing, you know, um, healing, you know, as a physician and as, as a practitioner. But yeah, there's just so many ways that you can, uh, you know, um, be a part of this and you can use your health also then as a window to say yes if i have a healthy body what would i most want to do do i want to you know continue my same drab existence that's not satisfying if you're stuck in a kind of a rut or yes you should you should can think about like um you know what's what's suited for you you know what plans are for you what are you here for i i feel like in terms of if you're going to jump from just a wellness model to a more kind of uh a global holistic, a truly holistic model, mm-hmm. which I think a holistic model has to be somewhat spiritual. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's missing. I think it has been missing in kind of the millennial and on down uh, ages or you know categories, where is more materialism or or at least lack of spirituality and faith. Um, it's kind of scoffing at the notion of God and, you know, disdain for religion and stuff like that. But I think, you know, I see, I'm very optimistic about this disruption. Instead of people being disrupted by some health uh, event that, that just throws their world into uh, a whole different mode of operation, um, this global disruption hopefully will uh, um, get people to, uh, to uh, you know, think about, their energy patterns and like even i'm thinking like okay they're at home without the normal routines so they're stuck with their thoughts and a lot of people don't like to be stuck in their thoughts because it leads them to dark places and you know back to the uh the notion of the shadow i think we mentioned it yesterday when we talked um was the the things you most that you seek the most are in the places you least want to look for them. And so when people are alone with their thoughts and their silence, it forces them to have to go deep. And then one other place I think people might find a source of new energy is um, maybe just looking at the clutter in their house and saying, you know, what is serving me? What is not serving me? Can I get rid of things? Can I open up? You know, let me pay attention to my space and see how that affects my mood when I move through it. So, you know, the notion of feng shui and, and just decluttering. I forget the lady's name who's the big proponent of that. Um, I think it starts with a K or something. I'm sure people are, like, hollering it out when they hear this. But, um, yeah, so so decluttering your world. And, and that opens up. I mean, you know, when you clean out your space and when you clean out your closet and you refresh your wardrobe and do all these things, that's energy and you feel it and some people don't connect that with life force energy and i think i hope people listening will will take this and go yeah I, I, let me do that <laughs> absolutely it looks like you also have who knows how long you know three weeks two months in order to uh reestablish yourself so this is the perfect time for that um yeah, I think that in terms of action, and sometimes we act out of ways that are from the shadow, uh, it's inevitable because, uh, you know, the process of individuating, you know, does create a shadow. It's just part of the human condition, you could say. Uh, so with the retreats and with the time, it's good to come into uh, your being first, that you be comfortable with whatever is expressing itself is expressing itself for for. A myriad of reasons. The emotions have their own intelligence, their own wisdom, you could even say. Mm-hmm. So 
I think that uh, when you have some quarantine time or retreat time, you can establish some simple little patterns or habits that can bring it more into your life you know, in different ways, as you, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, I try to, you know, when I get up uh, to, you know, sometimes I get tea or coffee first, but sometimes I go, you know, kind of straight to to my chair and try to do a little bit of breathing intention and sort of just, I don't really necessarily say a lot of really specific certain prayers, but I've, I've practiced with different prayers, and sometimes one will come to me to help set my attention, so to take a little time to look within, to connect, and to learn about that being state. And then I'll often take it further, and we'll do some breathing exercises, me and my wife, uh, usually together, mm-hmm. and then we do some Qigong practice, because that's a good way to bring the energy and the movement, and Qigong has been refined over thousands of years in China. It's kind of like Chinese yoga in a way, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a little easier in some ways, too, because you don't have to uh, get into too many funny positions, <laughs> although I love yoga, too. Uh, so I think by starting, if you can have a time, uh, preferably daily, and for me, morning works, and for a lot of people, morning works, but other mm-hmm. people, their schedule may work evening, is to do some kind of practice or contemplation or you know, there's so many ways that you can do it, you know, so you can fill in the blank for that time, what your main focus is. And then once you leave that, then you can just continue on with your day, having clarified your mind a little bit, and you have certain things you have to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, But hopefully then you've yeah, kind of done the inner declutter, as well as, you know, then with your space that you're doing it in, you want to declutter it and make it a good feng shui, because the inner does reflect the outer, mm-hmm. and everything is connected. So I think... Um, um, both the inner work and the outer work, again, should be brought together ideally, mm-hmm. you know, in our home situation or our work situation. Yeah, I think that's great habits for I've, I've made those changes in the last few years of, of waking up and setting clear intentions, doing a little, you know, reading a passage of something mm-hmm. that, that gets me to think about and then doing a little stretching gratitude kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's gotten me out of the patterns that was getting me. Uh, set up for not a good day like looking at twitter feed on my phone i mean i had i I removed facebook from my phone a long time ago just so i wouldn't engage with things uh that didn't serve me and i found that you know i until fairly recently i would you know throw out a contrarian argument in politics or something and just engage that way and i i realized you know i got something out of it but it wasn't it wasn't positive. It was just like an engagement. It was like feeling somewhat relevant, but in a, I don't know how to describe yeah. it, but it was, it was not positive. And it wasn't, yeah. it, at the end of the day, it didn't add anything of value to society. And you're not going to change anybody's mind anyway right. in, the, in these forums. But I think a lot of people are in that habit where they just, you know, they sleep with their phone beside the bed, they get up, they look at what's going on in the world, and they start their day in this just, you know, toxic mm-hmm. uh, stew of oh God, the world sucks, and now I got to go do this thing that I don't like doing, and I got to worry about all these stressors, and it's just that's creating the disease, and that's yeah. not going to serve you well in in this right. whole holistic health and wellness paradigm. I guess we're trying to relay here to our listeners. Right. So I think we're back on the theme of deconditioning and reconditioning. Mm-hmm. And I think it also points out with these forums how powerful they are, that the virtual reality is very powerful. And, you know, it can be used in different ways, and hopefully it'll evolve in a positive direction also. But I think it's, you know, from this uh, Eastern point of view that 
is the, the, the reality that we're creating with our thoughts and our actions and intentions is also somewhat of a virtual reality that exists within the matrix of this world and, and you know, us being born into the human consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I think um, uh, by seeing, you know, watching the matrix and knowing how virtual reality works and knowing that when you're an actor, like you come into this, you know, into the stage and you sort of forget your other personality and you create this other reality for some reason. So when we remember that, it kind of teaches us that we can do that a little bit too. We can kind of uh, don the costume that we need to don that's appropriate for that task. You know, mm-hmm. with, if you're parenting for your child, you're going to put on one costume that you've learned, you know, from. But then when you're dealing with somebody else, you're going to kind of quickly change costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that whatever costume you're wearing, these practices that we're talking about are designed to, you know, get to that core and get to that calm center where as intuitive and creative individuals, we can automatically kind of produce uh, our best when we are feeling better and we were in touch with that. Mm-hmm. So it's, in some ways, it's, 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 uh, could be considered simple. We all have that capacity, but exercising it and doing it on a daily basis, I guess, yeah. is a theme now that we're talking about that there's lots of ways that people can do this. And you also want to judge not by like, you know, you're going to have ups and downs just because you're doing these practices. Doesn't you're going to probably have more oh, yeah. ups and downs because you know, depending on how much you're trying to reprogram. Yeah. Uh, but over the long run, hopefully, little by little, you can look back and say, oh, I, I consciously made an effort to spend you know so much time a day doing this or kind of looking at my shadow a little bit in a constructive process. You know, with the right kind of you know uh, mm-hmm. guardrails or or, yeah. or or bumpers, you know, on the bowling lane. Uh, you know, that you can see after like a period of time that you do feel better and you can let go and that, you know, little by little, you notice that you don't, aren't prey to the same kind of exact reactions that you were a year ago that used to plague you. Mm-hmm. So I think you can also do these practices as an experiment and judge for yourself. So that's, again, empowering the individual to be able to have these tools to use them and see what kind of results you get. Mm-hmm. And if you find you're going down this way and, and over time, you know, with advice, you find, well, that's not really serving me as well as if I go this way. You do have that freedom and you do have some autonomy within within this kind of uh, milieu that, that we've created together. Yeah. So I think we can still be American and self-determinant, you know, and <laughs> emphasize that, but just be more conscious of the fact that, you know, there is all this interdependence and this, the world is getting smaller and mm-hmm. that we depend, you know, on people across the globe as well as, as well as our neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. I think freedom is, is a double-edged sword. You know, we have freedom, but we don't have it without respect. We don't have it without responsibility. And I think one of those things is being responsible with ourselves and, you know, finding what is our authentic self and creating this continuity, even though you, you might change the costume throughout the day based on the role you play, it's the continuity of what is your true authentic self. And so I've been, you know, on this journey, deep diving more so as of late than, than ever in my life. And, and, and it doesn't get easier. It just, the work gets harder, but you get more challenged. You get more excited about doing the work. That's what I've found. And one of the phrases that always stuck with me, and I keep writing it over and over, is that, or two, two things, what's allowed will continue. And how you do anything is how you do everything. And that's really changed me just having that there all the time because I will notice I'll start to do something the old Andy would do. And I was like, no, I'm not that person again. I've rewritten that story about myself. You know, and that's our greatest superpower is that we can rewrite that and we can change the costume and we can change our behaviors. And, and really, as we do the work, 
and we find out who we are authentically and we can see where are the chinks in the armor? You know, where do I need to do work to strengthen this place and this place? And why does this thought keep popping up? You know, let me go deep in that and figure that out. Yes. It, it, if you're in good with the director and the writer and the producer, <laughs> it really works a lot better yeah. <laughs> in the first place. But I do want to say, Andy, that that's fantastic that you've, uh, found this, you know, however it was meant to be, and you've, you know, been doing the work, and, and that you're, you know, I don't need to convince you, and, that, and that's wonderful to hear, and, um, you know, it's, it's very encouraging, I feel the same way, you know, kind of about myself, you know, from uh, all the confusion and things, you know, and programs, like you say, that they may have served you at that time, as we often say, but now when you look back and see that it enabled you, you know, maybe some kind of behavior or attitude got you through a kind of a difficult situation or a trauma even, you don't necessarily want to carry that around now. So part of the work also can be, you know, going back and going back into yourself. And then these things will come up as they need to. Like oftentimes you'll know since you've been doing this path that you think, okay, I've got to do A, B, and C. And you're going along happily thinking, oh, here I am. I'm taking off A, B, and C. And then boom, you know, out of the, out of the side, you get T-boned by, you know, like, like letter L. And you didn't realize that was a priority. So mm-hmm. like your ego thinks it's running the, you know, the story. But that's part of it is you have to kind of open up to what's really happening. Mm-hmm. And sort of those synchronicities or incidents in your life, you can start to use all of those. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think to, to you know to distill that down even more is it's, you know I used to be more concerned about what I am you know identity and and achievements and stuff and now I'm I'm really going deep on who and why mm-hmm. you, you know and I think that's just change the, the just the switch in the question really it changes your purpose already in a, in a sense because your purpose is a dynamic kind of expression of yourself yeah exactly and and i i think that uh that that's just made all the difference and 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 one other phrase that i heard years ago and it keeps getting more profound for me is that um the notion that all timing is perfect and that to me really gets down to i mean it almost takes me or it does take me to god even it it, It takes you out of the logical mind i mean when you look at it logically it doesn't make sense these things but then like that's the thing you hear something like you know 30 40 100 times doesn't matter suddenly the time comes when that opens up and then you're in that kind of mode, you know, in a more timeless flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of sort of the beauty of the spiritual path. And it can be a little bit of a high that keeps you coming back too. Uh, but, but it's a, it's a very wonderful thing to get some peak experiences, some peak mountaintop experiences mm-hmm. to refresh you. And then, you know, as you're going down through the next ravine and, you know, before the next peak, you know, you can kind of remember, Oh yeah, I had that sun, you know, I, I had that, I've been to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. So it does keep you going for sure. Um, but yeah, in terms of health, in terms of uh, Reiki, maybe I'll bring it back that way a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So Reiki, uh, is, is, I use that as a model because it's one that's very well known about now. Like yoga has become well known. Reiki's almost as, you know, been heard about quite almost as much. But it's just another model that I'm using. I'm kind of developed, you know, from the best of all these traditions, you know, my own kind of style that works authentically for me that's based on these kind of things. So... Uh, uh, Reiki means spiritual energy or life force energy, just like chi and uh, means energy in Chinese and prana, you know, means energy basically in in India. And basically, every culture has words for it. It's like it's this force you can't quite see, but it animates everything, and uh, it's, it's it's your life force. So there was a, a person, Us, uh, Mikao Usui, who. Uh, was actually seeking enlightenment and meditating and fasting on top of the mountain. He had an epiphany, 
and he kind of achieved a level of enlightenment. And when he was running down the mountain to tell his master, he actually stubbed his toe. <laughs> and when he reached for his toe, he found the healing energy just poured forth automatically. And then he ran across a girl in a, in a town, and she had a toothache, and so he laid his hands on her, and then she was healed like pretty much instantaneously. And so he came to his master, and he said, yes, yes, you've reached you know, a, a very good level of you know, enlightenment and peace, and this gift that you have, it would be good to share it with the world. Uh, so he first set up a society called the uh, Shinshin Kenzai Usui Reiki Ryoho, which means the uh, Isui method for spiritual healing for improvement of the body and mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, from this kind of um, universal gift that he received, and you know, with source connecting source energy in his specific way, that you know, it flowed out towards you know healing at all different levels, physical, emotional, and mental. And so they set up a society in 1921 or 20. And it since spread through Hawaii into the West and, and sort of sort of spread. And so that's one that you can get attuned to the actual energy and it can help you to heal yourself or you can work with others as well. Uh, so basically, that's a little bit how energy healing can work, that the practitioner gains these insights and these uh, kind of clarities and enough so that the, it can be directed or intentionally used to help uh, with other people to get into that vibration and to, to uncover activate, some of the... Activate their energy. Activate their energy and uncover uh, blockages and flow. So a lot of the theory about, like, say, acupuncture is when your meridians are all open and flowing, then you're going to have generally good health. But when there's stagnation or blockage, you may, you're going to start to have symptoms. Mm -hmm. So, like... Let's say you have a headache or something like that. A lot of times, like with migraines, there's a lot of stress and a lot of energy, but it's so much concentrated in the head because of the type of work you're doing, and maybe mm -hmm. you're not balanced with enough outside time, or maybe you're prone to it. And then the, the stagnation of energy is actually too much and causes dysfunction in the uh, neural circuitry, and then mm -hmm. you, you suffer the migraine, let's say. So that's like, again, a symptom that's feedback. So then, you know, um, there's ways you can work with that within the pulse diagnosis and the meridians or with Reiki to kind of help smooth out those flows. But the deeper the person kind of starts to assimilate that and the more they recognize the warning signs when they start to get there, then they can also kind of notice how to use their own energy and how to, you know, refocus it or defocus it a little bit to maybe avoid or lessen or mitigate mm -hmm. the effects of that particular episode. So again, mm -hmm. it's both the practitioner helping the patient, but it's the patient kind of assimilating that in their system, you know, in, in a way that, you know, that's beneficial. Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, the, the energy blocks and the energy leaks and the energy flows and, you know, it's all, it's all related back to the, to the energy. And I, you know, I'm a big believer in all this. I mean, I, I've, I've, I love it all. And, and I just hope the listeners will, will do a little, uh, research on their own mm -hmm. and, and tap into their own source energy and the love that comes with it. I think we, we haven't mm -hmm. really brought that term into it as much, but I think it's all based in loving yourself first, you know, choosing yourself, putting your oxygen mask on before you help others. And I know a lot of people find themselves in stress because all they do is help others and they don't look at their own wellness and health and, and, and put their own oxygen mask on first. So hopefully uh, some people will listen to this and get inspired to, to pursue some of this. Absolutely. And I think that you can use these tools to learn about yourself as, as, as in terms of how your energy system is, whether that's from 
you know, your doctor or your acupuncturist or even your astrologer who says you have a lot of fire in your chart. So you might want to, you know, like when you're with other fiery people, you might just want to you know, notice, you know, how that is or something like that. So, so I think partly that can be an experience of reflecting back to us in, in a way that as we do reflect from that level with care and compassion, then yeah, it's, it's going to enhance your life and it's going to be better for the people you love too. As mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, the wounded person goes around and the person, the people they hurt the most are the ones they love the most. Yeah. So yeah, that's part of the, again, a manifestation of the shadow. So the more you learn, and bring awareness to it, it automatically the light is automatically healing and, and contains those qualities of love and compassion and care in them. So the Qigong master says that when you're doing Qigong practice, any sign is a good sign. So you feel good, you feel energized, that's fantastic. You feel terrible, you do Qigong, you feel terrible, that's actually good too because you're opening windows into places that have been dusty and haven't been cleaned in a while. And so it looks bad and it feels bad at first. Mm-hmm. But when you get into those you know, so the so the awareness, the practices that that work automatically bring the awareness to that level, and the awareness itself is healing. And so, I, I think that's the good news. Yeah, as you said, and, and that it's a it's a wonderful journey, and um, and I'm glad we're both taking it. Yeah, that's great. Well, tell us how we can find out more about you, or how how can we become one of your patients, or you know, <laughs> do a little shameless self promotion here. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's still emerging somewhat. Actually, I moved to Floyd County, um, and I have a small goat herd, and I'm sort of doing some property maintenance while I'm doing you know some self help. But we do Reiki. My wife and I do Reiki, uh, kind of out of our home right at the present time, and uh, I don't really even have a website right now, but you can Facebook me at, you know, Michael Sue in Floyd County, if you're interested in, uh, uh, you know, exploring energy medicine Mm -hmm. of some type, which is, you know, similar to a Reiki model and uses Reiki as part of it. So we do that and and we can do individual consultations and we're uh, thinking about starting up, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, we're trying to get a group together to do some, you know, group Qigong up there. But right now it's my wife and I and uh, our granddaughter at times and Mm -hmm. our little goat herd and we're doing some other things so uh, just look me up on facebook it's a great great place great set and setting up there too i know there's a lot of energy up in floyd yeah and there's a lot of back to nature and back to simplicity you know there and sort of uh you know trying to re you know build it from the garden up i think there yeah yeah um so are you writing this book or or uh yeah i i started writing this book and uh I, i just got it back off of my file to, you know, because of this uh, meeting. So I'm hoping to maybe kind of refine this a little bit more and lengthen it out, flesh it out a little bit more uh, to have a, have a book for you. Well, great. Well, I'm glad to be a little catalyst there for you. Absolutely. This has been wonderful. I'm so glad you came today Mm -hmm. and it couldn't be more timely for the world and for myself. And I just hope uh, all the listeners out there will take advantage of uh, this conversation and maybe get inspired, but also look at Northwest AEC. I have to plug us. Um, we do have uh, programs. Um, we're doing a lot of webinars now, obviously, so as we have um, postponed uh, live classroom events. But we do have, like I said earlier, culinary medicine programs. We have complementary um, alternative medicine programs and also healing the healer, um, preventing uh, provider burnout and stuff like that. So look us up at northwestahec.org. And with that, thank you one more time, Michael Sue. Uh, thank you, Andy. It's, it's really wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to see you again. Okay.